My name is Tiffany, and you're listening to Voices of INSEAD. Together, we listen to the stories of our incredible peers from across the globe and discuss topics such as professional, cultural, and life experiences in an open and genuine way. Let's get to it. Hi guys, welcome to a new episode. I have Jesse Scow with me. Jesse Scow is in my section. He's the third of six siblings. He has three biological and two step siblings. He's American and he's at least a quarter Norwegian, he tells me. He grew up in Utah, but he lived in the Philippines for two years on a service mission for the LDS church. Um, it's a church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He'll let us know a little bit more about this. Um, he got his undergrad at BYU in strategic management. Um, it's quite a famous school in the US. He had his first child in his junior year, uh, who is now five years old, and he has another two-year-old um, with a third on the way. Mm-hmm. I think you have the eldest children in our class, right? No, I actually don't, but I'm the oldest to bring their children out here. Okay, So. wow. But yeah. Um, his, his children can be seen around, running on campus, um, hitting some people. Yes. Um, they're very yeah. cute, yeah. love them. Um, and he really enjoys rock climbing and soccer, which is perfect for INSEAD. And he came here to try to find a new job and perhaps mm-hmm. meet some people. Yeah. Um, so thank you for being here, Jesse. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. So first, can you tell us a bit more? So what is the LDS Church exactly? Yeah, so that stands for Latter-day Saints, or the full name of the church is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is also, they're also known as Mormons, but... Uh, they have typically been at, or like in recent years, they've asked to not be called, but uh, it's kind of considered derogatory now. So, okay. So, yeah, so usually, like, the short name is LDS because it's a mouthful to try and say the full name. Yeah. yeah but yeah, it's so it's Mormonism, uh, yeah, LDS church. So, you, you grew up with that religion? Yes. Yeah. My, my community was probably 98% uh, LDS. Okay. That's what, yeah. Yeah, my only my only knowledge of the religion is also from seeing this the Book of Mormons, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which so was quite like, derogatory. Right. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. I don't think the people in my community were super into that one, uh, but I don't know. A lot of them have a, a very like playful sense of humor with all that. Um, but yeah, the the LDS Church, it's they're mostly concentrated in in Utah, which is where I grew up, um, and. Yeah, it's it's typically a fairly homogenous society. There's like at least in Utah, it's mostly white people. They're mm-hmm. typically conservative values, and and yeah. Um, but uh, that's yeah, that's the church I was raised in. So my whole family is is LDS, or at least grew up LDS. And how was it to grow up in such a community? Uh, yeah, it was. Um, it's interesting because like 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 living in any bubble. I also live in San Francisco, which is its own type of bubble as well mm-hmm. so it's you know a lot of echo chamber like um <clears throat> and especially you know a community that's that's you know driven by a, like a, a religious ideology or, or dogma where you know like it's maybe a little more difficult to have like a dissenting opinion of things or you know um but yeah it's it was interesting too because i, I grew up in a, a public school system where you know at times as a kid you're taught things that contradict the, you know the things you're taught at Sunday school mm-hmm. in your church and so so very early on uh, as a kid you kind of s- experience a little bit of cognitive dissonance and and you know you kind of see how uh, different people handle that I think some people are like more or less comfortable 
with dealing with cognitive dissonance. You know, like there's different coping mechanisms. Some people are very good at compartmentalizing it and like holding two separate truths that contradict each other. That was something that was a little bit difficult for me growing up. I, I always had a little bit of anxiety with that. So, Can you give us examples of cognitive dissonance that you experienced when you were younger? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, like one example might like be that is familiar to a lot of people who grew up religious would be, you know, like creationism versus evolution. Mm -hmm. right? it's, uh, it, it's difficult to make sense of like the Adam and Eve story and Neanderthals at the same time because they, they kind of contradict each other. That you can do a lot of gymnastics to try and make both work, which is like another way people tend to cope with cognitive yeah. dissonance is like just like creating theories on how to bridge the two. Um, some people just keep them separate and like with the faith that like they'll understand it in future lives, you know, but uh, other people like me like just have a lot of anxiety and, <laughs> and have a difficult time uh, with it. So. Yeah, I mean, I understand it. I feel like I grew up with a similar thing being having Catholic family and atheist family on one yeah, side. Yeah, I could see that. But growing up, and so you went to a public school, you said, yes, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, which is fairly commonplace. The, and I should clarify, uh, like, I grew up in, in mainstream Mormonism or, or LDS church, which uh, if you've seen any documentaries on, on, like, Mormonism, they're typically highlighting the fundamentalist sects that yeah. tend to be more extreme. That's the latest documentary about that came out with. There's there's just like so many now. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a very popular topic right now. It seems like Mormonism and serial killers are like what Netflix is. is yeah, it's crazy. Right it's now. crazy yeah. how they focus on one topic yeah, and then it's the hot. But, but yeah, no, uh, obviously mainstream yeah. Mormons, uh, like or LDS folks, they're like they're very kind. Anyone, if you've ever like known them, they're typically very nice people, very smart, um, uh, very welcoming. So it's it's it was a warm community to grow up in and. I definitely feel very like uh, lucky to grow up in a community that, uh, in some ways, it, it can be difficult, but in other ways, like it protects you from like making poor decisions early in life. Um, you know, like drinking. Obviously, like uh, the first time drinking alcohol wasn't until I was like 24, which I okay, think wow. I was probably better off not <laughs> drinking at a young age, knowing how poor my decisions were. European sensitive degree. alcohol, yeah. So, like, <laughs> I, things like that, but uh, yeah. Uh, and so you're saying open and warm community, so they were open and warm to other, also other types of people. Yeah, yeah, because it's a it's a proselytizing religion, so they're 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 always trying to spread their message, and so okay. they're very much welcoming. Maybe too much is is like often how you see it portrayed in, in like pop culture, where it's like you know they they they're eager to talk to people and share their message, and so so they're very kind um, and and they're eager to share their message. If you're part of the church, do you pay some fees or there? Yeah, like like most Christian churches, they, there's a, they, they live the law of tithing. So like 10% of your income. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so interesting. I, actually, it's the same in Germany. It's similar in Germany. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it, like, it comes from the Old Testament, actually, like the, the one-tenth. I think different churches like use different interpretations. But yeah, they, they definitely enforce that. Is it, I don't know if it's a bad question, but is there an incentive for people to get other people inside? Like No, 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 nothing like that. I mean, okay. some people will point out that if you don't pay tithing, you can't enter like the temples. But that's, I don't think it's because of the money is so much as like, uh, you need to, you need to be like worthy, I guess, like follow all, all the commandments. And yeah. you can make the argument that like tithing is less about like, making money as it is about like anti-materialism you know so like 
there's a good argument for tithing that's not so like uh, cynical, I guess. No, I was just wondering if, because you're saying people are very welcoming and trying to get other people in the religion, like I was wondering if there's an oh, incentive <laughs> no. for Utah you. Utah is known for their MLM schemes and Ponzi schemes, but uh, I'm not sure. I don't think that's one of them. <laughs> yeah, they, there's no, you don't get any benefit. I guess you, you get brownie points and you feel like you're doing God's work, you know, so. So, like, how did it, it must have been re felt really powerful to be part of such a group, right? Because in some ways you probably feel, if you really believe in it, right, you probably feel like yeah. the chosen ones. Like, yeah, yeah, Could you yeah. describe us a little bit more, like, how it felt? And I, I see a lot of beauty sure. in it, right? I see a lot of beauty in community and Definitely, yeah. They're, belief. they're very good at the community thing. And I, maybe I'll, like, back up a little bit and explain that, like, the, the belief of the church is that they're quite literally like the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. So like the same church that Jesus Christ established in the New Testament, like through Peter and his apostles, he, like apostatized eventually and, and was ref like brought back and restored through through a new prophet, Joseph Smith, like in, mm -hmm. in our current day. So so the, the it is kind of like a, a view that's like maybe not as tolerant of other faiths in the sense that like, I mean, like they think they they are the only church with God's authority on earth, right? So because of that, that that can seem abrasive to people who are part of like less denominational religions who are more open to other ideas. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the growing up, um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. What was the question? We were just talking about how it felt like to be part of this community growing oh, yeah, up. Yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. So yeah, the community, um, so they, they're trying to, like in general they do a lot of initiatives like there's so many service projects they they are very good at taking care of each other um and uh you, you do feel powerful i guess like and that that's that was where i was going with the you know like you feel like you're in a position of privilege because mm -hmm. you have like the fullness of the gospel and so you're eager to share that with other people um it's kind of like how mormons feel it's it's not I don't think it's them trying to push their worldview on people, but like authentically believing that the thing that they have would benefit everyone. So they, they want to authentically share it with others. So and you went on a mission, right, to the Philippines yes. to have people basically come. I, I don't know how you, what yeah. the word is again, but yeah. So typically, uh, you know, when you're, you're around 19 years old, uh, men Traditionally, we're expected to serve these missions. It's kind of like a rite of passage in the culture in some ways. Uh, women is more of an option, but both me and my wife opted to serve missions um, mm -hmm. and were assigned. They, they actually assign. You could end up like uh, as on a stateside mission, so you just like go somewhere like Idaho, or you yeah. could be called like somewhere very exotic, like uh, the Philippines. Did you choose? Case. No, no. Okay, well, no, you're called. The, the, the actual prophet and apostles of the church like select the mission you go to. And how old were you? 19. Do you know how they selected you for the Philippines specifically? or? I mean, I guess uh, allegedly God inspired them to, okay. to assign us. Um, so like God is directing all that. Um, okay. So, <clears throat> yeah, so we were called to the Philippines where we spoke uh, Hiligaynon, which is mm -hmm. like a language dialect spoken in the Negros region. Did you prepare for that? Did you take some? Yeah, I, they have like a little training center. So for like six weeks, you're trying to learn the language and then you go out and, and immediately you're thrown into like pretty, pretty unusual conditions for a 19 year old. So like I, I'm given a companion, which in my case was a Filipino who spoke no English. There wasn't like another American in sight. 
the Philippines is very homogenous, at least in this region as well, except I was the outsider this time, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, so like you wake up, you study the Bible for like five hours and then you go out and, and teach your message for like the next, uh, like nine hours and then you go sleep and, and repeat and you, you're not allowed to like watch movies, listen to music. That's not like strictly gospel related. And, and you did that before. Uh, yeah. And I do that for two years. And, okay, and by wow. the way, there's no like compensation. In fact, like I had to pay like 10 grand for this experience. Wow. So it's all volunteer. But once you're there, you don't pay anything or you have to pay to no, go and no, then you no, have to no. pay. You pay to go. Okay. And then like that, that like uh, provides for you. And like when you're in a place like the Philippines, like, yeah, everybody pays the same amount, but obviously different places are more expensive than others. So okay. I probably didn't get 10000 back. I got probably much less because the Philippines is cheap, cost of living. And how, like, how was your state of mind before going versus whilst you were there versus yeah. after? Yeah, so like before going out, like I said, I, I, I've always kind of struggled with the faith. I, I, I didn't always like agree with my community, right? And like I, I dealt with that cognitive dissonance. It was really the, the book, The Life of Pi, that like got me out there, which is an analog for, for like Pascal's wager, like this idea that whether or not this thing you believe in is true, it's, it's better to, to believe in. So I, I, I felt like the outcomes in my community were positive, um, and I felt like it was a good thing to do. And again, there's, there's kind of that like cultural pressure and things like that. And you know, I wanted to make my family proud, my community proud, so I, I like, served the mission. Yeah, and you know, like once you get out there, though, it kind of changes. Like you can kind of bury that cognitive dissonance pretty deep because, mm. uh, you know, you're you're sacrificing a lot to be there. Yeah. And so you really kind of like dig your heels in it and like buy into like what you're teaching and stuff. It's a little bit like in sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, perhaps. Yeah. So it's by the end of the two years, as, as you can imagine, like not being able to speak the language and, and being kind of isolated and dealing with a lot of rejection, like your, your personal, you kind of lose touch with your like authentic self or your, like your identities. And so you're trying to convince people to be like join the church. I don't, yeah, I'm yeah, having yeah, issues saying the, it, but the, the LDS church. Sure, right? sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Like you're, you're trying to teach people these lessons and invite them to, to be baptized and to, the faith okay yeah and then you're evaluated based on how many people you baptized or what no, is the... no there's no like evaluation uh, like they do track kpis and so like you're trying to like you know maximize those kpis for sure but like uh what kind of KPIs? there's no punishment like like how many lessons you taught uh how many people you baptized like those kind of metrics to quantify like the work you're doing it's right. mostly about accountability because like there's like a pyramid hierarchy so like you're, you're reporting your numbers up and it cascades throughout yeah so it's it's very structured very organized and it almost sounds like you started a, like it's a startup right and you're facing rejection you're trying to sell your <laughs> yeah. product like did you did you feel like over the two years you were able to convince people better like i wonder what kind of learnings oh, you definitely. get from this yeah oh man so many in Utah, there's so many door-to-door -door sales companies that are very successful, like pest control and security, because like you have people who have been for two years have been selling something that's very difficult. They're very good at it. So yeah, you learn some valuable sales skills for sure, and uh, like definitely perseverance, like work ethic. Like you get a lot of valuable skills out of it because it's it's difficult and challenging. So, do you have some f funny stories from that time? Oh, like. In the Philippines, I mean, yeah, that, I mean, it's, 
it almost feels like a dream thinking back to it just because like it was such a different life I was living for for multiple reasons uh but but yeah I mean the Filipinos are like the most hospitable loving people and they're hilarious uh the kids are the best uh so yeah a lot of a lot of funny things would happen on a daily basis um did you really convert people like did people did you were you able to turn people into real believers in some cases for sure are you still in touch with some of them yeah yeah i am and are they still part of the church yeah not not all of them of course but yeah that's so interesting i I would say like maybe like 20 percent of like the 100 or so people are like still active okay so about about 20 people yeah probably about like 20 people and they're now taking care of the church and yes okay which is puts me in a strange (laughs) situation of course because and they're also giving 10% of their salaries to the church. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like yeah. Or do they receive also benefit? Like, does the church help them? Not unless, like, something happens. Like, there's a social okay. net, right? Like, you can request assistance, but I'm sure most of them happen. Yeah. But before you, probably other people came, right? So there's probably a bigger community from over yeah, the years. Yeah, yeah. So I'd say a lot of people aren't really converted to the church, but they're com- to the community right yeah uh because it's a it's a welcoming community again that takes care of each other so i think in a lot of cases some people are less concerned about like the theological um argument for the religion and more about like just like finding community a sense of community yeah so so yeah that certainly happens a lot too that's i'd say that's a big part of the missionary work is helping people find community so i'm trying to put myself in the feet of the of someone there right and you come to them and you're trying to tell them join this new religion yeah the thing is like the people there they're so kind and like they they don't like care about the details so, yeah like you could get into like a, a debate about the scriptures and they won't care because they're just like yeah we all believe in the same god like that's fine to they're like yeah i'll believe what you believe it's they're they're, they're just not abrasive people they're they're, they're to- very tolerant and loving and so so typically like you're not spending a lot of time trying to like persuade them they just like, take you, everything you say at word and in, in a nice way but then the question is whether they'll actually but then the next up, missionary right? comes and they yeah. take every that guy's thing at word too so, <laughs> so yeah so interesting what yeah and it's just maybe like a different like approach to life which uh the the older and wiser i get I, like i start to subscribe to the, their worldview <laughs> where it's just like so they actually converted you in a way yeah it's funny they have this phrase uh jos mangyapon which is like it's all the same god right and like the older i get like uh, yeah i i kind of like agree with that sentiment which is you know everyone's doing their best to make sense of life like the, you know and yeah. make it's meaning and uh like it's kind of like a futile effort to try and get a solid answer for that and so everyone's doing their best and we all are like striving so like let's not focus on the detail because none of us can prove our convictions anyways you know yeah that's nice so i I like the sentiment of like hey like let's just what we have in common is that we're both trying our best to understand this and and move forward with a happy life so let's not like fight about (laughs) what we can't know you know so like I, i i like that sentiment quite a bit so did you come out of this like a changed man is that something that changed you because i think yeah 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 so i mean well I, like I said, it was kind of like a dream where it's like, it took me a while to kind of, I, my personal experience is that like, I feel like I, in the process had kind of like lost some of my authentic self and 
over time that does resurface once you return to your your friend circles and all those things and and like a lot of that cognitive dissonance returned as well and which kind of like eventually led to me losing my faith um around what age did you lose your faith i'd say i was probably like 23 or 24 so like two years after i'd returned uh and you were married gradual thing yeah and i was at this point me and my wife who who were both on that mission uh and already had one kid uh like i began losing my faith which was difficult for her too because like typically um the implication of leaving the church is that like you can't spend eternity with your family so it's difficult for like your parents wow, it's difficult really, for, yeah. for everyone because it's like okay well maybe i shouldn't have married you like maybe i sh- you know so faith transitions in our community can be difficult um and and it certainly was for me i i i like continued to participate even though i'd like emotionally lost my faith yeah. uh with my wife for like another year before she eventually found her own way out as well so so is she, it for you you think or did she find no no yeah? no it was very different circumstance and different reasons she's still a very like kind of spiritual person whereas i don't know if i i am as much like mm-hmm. i'm probably more on the agnostic side whereas because she's has, still has convictions of like a greater power i guess i just think the difficulty it's it's but it's when you're part of this community right and you're told you're going to be for eternity yeah, with your family yeah. there's so much promise and so much safety like it's very like how did you make sense of your life after yeah. such a thing well here's the thing though it's like if you don't actually believe in these things yeah like it doesn't feel as good as you think in fact it like caused me a lot of anxiety like trying to force a belief that wasn't authentic to myself yeah and i i like i kind of dealt with everyone's dealt with some of those things in their life like santa claus right like yeah going from believing in a santa claus defending him to your friends who knew better and then finding out like that it was a a lie and kind of that sense of betrayal and stuff like i i had a few experiences uh in my life that were similar to that and like uh uh like even like some that were more traumatic like my like my mom passed away when i was younger and like learning the reality i didn't learn about like the the complexity of her death until much later in my life and it was a little bit darker and harder to take yeah. than I like than than what I was told at a young age and so I kind of learned like and I think that's what made the religion so hard is like they tell this very nice story about an afterlife and and for me like I, I like I would try to force the belief but like like deep down I, I felt like it like there was too many I'm, I'm very hyper analytical and cynical about things now so yeah. I'm always trying to find plot holes in everything which uh, is, it was difficult for my wife, for sure, because she doesn't think like that. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because, like, going to business school and, like, even in NCAD, like, I'm given more and more tools to be hyper-analytical. Like, that's that's how I've been trained to think anyways. Yeah. So, like, it has to, hasn't you. helped. And, yeah, like, and maybe when I, like, I struggled quite a bit, like, at this time with, like, like being too aggressive in debates and stuff, and I would get in arguments, like, political arguments a lot with people, and... I would hurt people's feelings that I cared about and uh I kind of had to like work through that like what's the help with some therapy of like and, and it's funny because I wouldn't I'd always just play devil's advocate like I didn't always believe in what I was mm-hmm. arguing but the is way it, I, the way yeah. I see it is like hey it's better if we argue because then we're going to get closer to the truth I mean I'm very similar to you so I I would never get offended and it's funny that you say yeah. this because I don't see you being that aggressive in class well, I actually I've, think I've, you're I've very calm much better at it now. yeah but like uh it's funny you say that because you and I would probably 
go at it at like a I enjoy party it and I love both it of us would love it yeah neither of us would hurt each other's feelings but the people around us would be like yeah wow they're they're upset at each other or something you know so that happens where like there's like an uncle at a party that where both of us just like to argue yeah and then like everyone around us is like you guys need to cool it and we're like no no i like but it's it's all good yeah but I, i'm on the same page here <laughs> so i don't think it's yeah. all a bad thing so i still tried to like use it as a positive to be hyper analytical but like it definitely is a part of who i am and it definitely like like is part of like my faith transition which wasn't the case for my wife so yeah. our our journeys out were different and like we couldn't really I don't think I influenced her very much because anytime we talked about faith, it was a very frustrating experience for both of us. Yeah. So at that point in time, like that year where I left before her, like Mm -hmm. we didn't talk about it much because it was just like too sensitive of an area for us. It's interesting that she followed you. I I would be interesting to know, like, how do you, like you're surrounded by a lot of very different people right now. How do you feel like your experience has shaped you that's different from the others in some ways? Yeah, I think... uh, Based on everyone I've talked to here, well, first of all, like, uh, part of wanting to come to NCAD was for the diversity, right? Like, I, I've been craving a culture, like, just, like, the diversity. Because I, I guess you I've didn't always, have this I've growing up. I've always been in more, like, yeah. homogenous societies. And so I was very excited for that. But even with that, I'm, I, I've also been surprised how much more we have in common here at NCAD than yeah. different. Like, all of I us come from very different backgrounds, yeah. but we all think and are influenced by similar things. Um, just like maybe generationally, I guess. Like, uh, but do you think it's a bias of coming to NCAD because we all crave this experience, and maybe, it's, or maybe we have more in common with different people than we think? I think so. I think that's true as well. And I think uh, I don't know. Like, social media is probably part of it, and like uh, pop culture. Like, we're all kind of influenced by similar things. But, um, but yeah, no, it's been it's been a like a really great experience. Like meeting all these people with different perspectives. But I'd say like what makes mine maybe unique is i don't it seems like most people haven't like been brought up in in like maybe such a rigorous like uh, religious upbringing and how how is that different like how does that shape you differently do you think do you think you're more structured do you think you have more discipline man i i don't think so because i i feel like i under index fellow ncf people when it comes to discipline and structure um i'm not sure i think um I think perhaps like it, I think my unique upbringing it, yeah like has informed like how uh, how I view the world for sure right like I, I think my worldview like at this point I'm pretty like strong-willed about some of my things so, like in classroom settings like I'm going to be talking a lot and I like to like kind of debate things out and like I can't help myself but like share a dissenting opinion and things mm. like that and I think that's just because for me, like, because truth has been uncertain throughout my life, like, I want to, like, yeah. I want to get into it with people. So, yeah, I think, I think that might be it. I think maybe as a result, I'm more assertive. But that might just be, like, natural personality things, too, right? Like, I've always liked to, to, like, talk it, like, I've always been very talkative and, you know, like, in high school, like, wanted to be the party animal kid, like, the center of attention type of thing. So, like, I don't know. I'm not sure how much of that is... I think something where some things are we're just born with as well. Yeah. No, I mean, I was just curious if you felt this because I do think that I've heard this from people here where some people feel like they're very different from others in certain yeah. ways. And because we're all now in environments where everyone is coming from different areas of us, um, there are different 
places than us. We're very aware of the things that make us unique. Yeah, yeah. No, that's definitely true. And there's there's other things that are funny. Like I like I at BYU I didn't party. People here love to party. Right? Did people so party at BYU? Was that a different kind of partying? Like board games. Like can you give us a quick like explanation of BYU and? Yeah, yeah. it's just like so. It's a it's a it's an LDS school. Uh, it is competitive, so like not all LDS people go to it. Like you have to. Uh, have like a pretty good test scores and, and grades and things like that uh, and non-LDS people are welcome to join but it's much more expensive for them yeah so they, they have like higher tuition um, so pretty much everyone at the school is is LDS yeah and so and you also have to follow a strict like uh, set of rules like yeah. you can't drink there's a million things you can't do and you have to get ecclesiastical endorsements where you interview with like a, a religious leader to make sure you're like following all the rules and things like that so yeah so yeah so like the parties as you can imagine are fairly tame there's no substance abuse there's like none of that stuff so we still find ways have ways to have fun so it wasn't like it was boring so 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 mysterious what kind of ways (laughs) i mean there are weird ways we'll hear about some really weird weird stuff that people like little people do to like to break rules but uh or to get around the rules but like i don't know i think we just like me, me and my friends were always a little more rowdy, so we would just cause trouble in other ways, I guess. Okay, we'll keep that. We'll keep that mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like uh, to finish off, because we're nearly at the end. Um, what What is what? Why are you here? Like, what What do you hope to get out of instead? Yeah. Yeah, what yeah. are the next steps for you? <clears throat> yeah. So we we definitely came for for the experience. You know, chance to be in Europe and uh, like meet all the like all the diverse people in in the class, but also uh you know looking for for a job change as well i I came from walmart i worked for walmart for a while which was a great experience uh looking to maybe try out uh management consulting for a couple of years which ncia does very well with it's Uh, the right place yeah exactly and uh, back in the u.s or yeah probably back in the u.s Uh, really and really the desire for that is just like position myself well for like more of my long-term ambitions a lot of companies like to see just a few years of consulting experience yeah it makes sense so yep kind of smart and to finish off we'll go over your two truths and a lie yeah, that yeah. i posted in the group um but jesse shared with us two truths and a lie which were that he was expelled from high school bad boy that he was adopted and that he's a direct descendant of joseph joseph smith who's if i understand well an lds he is the the prophet who restored the church Wow, he's Jesus. a direct he's like the, restorer of the church. He's like an equivalent to like maybe like a Muhammad, like a final messenger for, for Jesus Christ's church. So I don't remember you saying any of those things, um, which enlightened us. Yeah. Which one is the lie? Are you the aren't direct descendant? Aren't, aren't you supposed to guess? I'm supposed to guess? Okay. I think, I think you could be expelled from your high school, but you went to a good university. Um, you talked about your mom dying, sadly, so... I can imagine that you were adopted after. Uh, very clever, yes. Um, yes and I would think it's a heresy if you were a direct descendant of Joseph Smith, so I'm going to select this one. <laughs> yeah, no, that's you're would, right. That is the, the one that's not a lie. Uh, so, that's yeah, a lie, you mean? Yeah, that, that was a lie. So, yeah, I, I, was, I was briefly expelled from my high school. We actually got it appealed. So What did you do? Uh, man, that story didn't age super well. Again, me and my friends did like a lot of... Uh, Probably shouldn't have added that if I wasn't going to talk about it, though. We we just did a bunch of shenanigans. You can like, plead the fifth. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'll plead the fifth. We, we, I, I, like, 
it was just like to cause trouble. I, I was on the newspaper and got a lot of our newspapers pulled from the shelves and we like to um, climb up, I don't know, like change signs on like buildings and I don't know. We just did a lot of silly stuff trying to, again, when you don't have Doesn't like sound terrible, alcohol, changing signs on buildings. No, no, but it's like what we put on the signs that was terrible, okay. right? So all the cars that drive by. 16 year olds. Exactly. We don't have alcohol. We don't have any drugs. Okay. Yeah. So like, Good how do we make fun? We just like go and add mustaches. To yeah. Faces. Like at one point we went to drop like a watermelon off our middle school and I, I, really I sounds like I fell off and I broke through the like a, a greenhouse and like shattered the whole greenhouse and stuff. So. Wow. So adrenaline like, junkie. A little bit of like. It's uh, kind of cute. If my kid did that, I wouldn't be. I would be like. Yeah. You're stupid, but also. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we found clever ways to have a good time still. Yep. Cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. You. Um, really appreciate it. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you.